Welcome to the Urban Farming Podcast. My name is Chris Light. I've been urban farming for about two years now, and, and we really here to get the notion of urban farming as a potential solution to uh, food security on track. So please hit the subscribe button, like us on Facebook, uh, and to send us what you would like to know and understand better about urban farming. Hi, it's uh, Chris Late here. It's our second uh, podcast episode, and I've got uh, Rika Hubert with me again. Rika, previous time we had a look at um, why urban farming is important, um, and uh, I think maybe let's just start there quickly uh the the wonderful nutritional value that comes uh with that um my journey with urban farming literally started with smoothies and um i remember at the time i was very impressed with you saying but you don't have to go and buy all these things you can grow it yes i believe that uh, you know the the vegetables and the plants that you grow in your own garden is maybe the healthiest it's it grows in your environment with your with the specific germs and bugs and mm. um exposure to the the weather all of that in your own environment so like i said uh, in the first episode you know the immune system of the plant is very much like your own immune system mm. And if you have a plant that has adapted to your own specific environment, then that plant actually makes the nutrients that your body needs for your specific circumstance. Well, amazing. And and uh, a recent uh, TED Talk uh, episode that I um, watched on YouTube uh, with one of the leading professors uh, in, in uh, the Liverpool area around uh, aquaponics um, gave the example that his three-year-old was not very much into health food at all you know it wasn't uh didn't have a, a, a m um, on just, the packaging just by the way yeah. i'm also not very much into health food <laughs> I, I i'm into feeling good and I, i'm i want to feel energetic and okay. you know i want to be able to get through my long working day and i want to be able to relax properly you mm. know and i find that eating the green leafy vegetables helps me to relax i'm quite a nervous energy anyway mm. so i find that the i think it's the magnesium in the green leafy vegetables that helps me to chill a bit mm. Mm. and yeah well I, again i think maybe just just and i want you to elaborate on that but um just just the example I wanted to use is he said his 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 kid wasn't you know into real food if I want to put it real that way. Food, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, but then when when he started involving her and he brought in a, a small you know the aquaponics uh, setup into the kitchen and it became her job to feed the fish and, and started taking care of the plants and actually harvesting those plants and making her own smoothie. That's now her routine. She makes everybody smoothies in the in the morning. So, you know, I think, and then you alluded to that a lot. It's 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 not just ABC leaf. It's really about your interaction. Yes, I think one of the the problems that even me myself at some stage mm -hmm. um, battled from is I felt a sense of disconnection, disconnection from the people in my community, disconnected from nature. Um, even 
you know, we sometimes disconnected, disconnected from our labor, from our own work, you mm. know. So um, I think growing vegetables or growing your own vegetables is really a brilliant way to find your to find your sense of connection again. Mm. It's you can take your excess vegetables to your neighbors as mm. gifts. Mm. Um, you can, and I, I think I mentioned to you that. I believe that we live so much in a society where instant gratification has become the norm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when you plant your own vegetables, you realize that there is a lot to be said for delayed gratification, for living a little bit slower. Absolutely, yeah. And and again, you know, it's it's yeah. There's many aspects, but I think the the visual. Uh, aspect as well as you mentioned uh, at the previous time you know the the different types well let's take a, a simple example like a, a artichoke it's such a beautiful plant you know as a as a potential focus plant whether it's on a balcony or in a bigger uh, edible fruit forest or, or whatever yes. but Rico, maybe let's just you know go through a bit of a, a tick list. If if I was now keen to start with a, a urban farm, uh, or just gardening, and and not necessarily having the ambitions to have a sustainable market garden or whatever, um, the first thing is the first tick box is well, why are you doing that? Are you really going to uh, harvest this and eat it? And and, uh, and and let's say yes, we've ticked that box. Now then, the next one is right. Let's let's just start with something. Um, I assume most well, I know for a fact most nurseries do have a uh, a vegetable uh, component where you can uh, buy seedlings, but. Um, but you, you, uh, you only use seed. If yes, I I'm, understand I'm very correctly. stingy. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I buy the heirloom seeds. They, they, you know, I've, you know, they replant themselves mm. over and over again. And and every, you know, with heirloom seeds, the crop seems to stay good and healthy mm. over the years. So, um, and I have that with my lettuces. They like wheat. Mm. They mm. really replant. I have forgotten about them. Mm. I just. I go into my garden and I'll see, and even when the birds destroy my garden, you know, like a, a few weeks later, I'll go out again and I'll see, okay, well, the letters, they're growing again. They're so, yeah, yeah. you know, especially now that we've had rain, yeah. it's actually wonderful <laughs> it to is, see. It is, it is, it's amazing. And many, um, especially from, from permaculture uh, side of things, permaculture voices, etc., uh, the whole notion of chop and drop, you know, so when, when your uh let's say your your lettuce bolted you couldn't um well it went to seed in any way uh, that's not something you throw away you just crop and chop it right there and the seeds just you know yes. germinate right yes. there again you know, you know. or you can harvest the seeds and you can mm. give it to your neighbors or your friends or you know but let's let's talk about and to me maybe that's the third sort of box you want to tick if you if you're considering starting an urban farm is um and I think there's a lot to be said for just, you know, having an extra fridge or having an extra pharmacy in your house and, and, and the likes. But um, it's a wonderful way of meeting the neighbors and, and really recreating the, the village uh, effect. And, and, and please just elaborate a bit on, on your community. Uh, well, um, I mentioned to you that I have a worm farm. So... I know my. I do fight with my neighbors sometimes because they sometimes put the 
pineapple in the worm farm, so yeah. the worms don't really like pineapple very much. I mm. think there's some acid or something in there that they don't like. Mm. Um, but they've started, you know, when I go on holiday, my neighbors will look after my worms, for example. Okay. Yeah. And again, children really love, you know, they, they love mm. that, that cycle of life that, mm. you know, farming brings back. Um, we share vegetables, we share seeds, we, you know, we, you know, it's a way of talking to one another over the fence. Well, absolutely. It's, it's, and it's, uh, that's really what society needs is, 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 is a village. It takes a village to, to grab a, a child, I think is the problem. Yes, and it's a, it's a great way of teaching children responsibility, a little bit of responsibility, because all that often, you know, when it's not raining, it's, it's good to water your plants. Mm, mm. So we know why we want to do it. We sort of got a good idea of how to do it. We know what we're going to do with the, the I don't excess. Know. I, I think you should educate me on the how-to because I still have a lot to learn as far as how-to is concerned. I know that, you know, if certain things my plants don't do well, you know. But it's usually when I start... When I start involving the foreign things, you know, mm. the foreign fertilizer or mm. the that I don't do very well. Okay. I think if I, when I leave it up to nature, it's I'm often or nature is much more successful than what I am. Okay. Well, I, I, yeah, the, I mean, there's so many methods that one can use, uh, whether it is... Uh, Dedicating a, a piece of your garden or sacrificing a bit of lawn for a for a for a garden, whether it is uh, you know ambitions of having a, a edible fruit forest, if it is um, putting up a hydroponics or aquaponics uh, setup. I mean, there there is many ways, and and uh, but I think what is most valuable of what you just said is uh, it's not that complex. It it, it really. Uh, uh, it's it's awareness and I, and personally my philosophy on it, Rika, is that all things will they, you know there'll be equilibrium. Things will uh, just go back to equilibrium if you leave them. And as a farmer, your responsibility is actually to disturb that equilibrium ever so yes, slightly. Yes. But if you do it too much, you're going to have a detrimental effect. And I'm I'm not the type of person who's going to bake a cake for my neighbor. So yeah. a bunch of spinach will just have just to do. Just do fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, that is, um, if I, you know, what I maybe must, must, must emphasize is uh, on my journey, I was actually astonished to uh, realize that beyond the neighbors, there's a massive need from local uh, uh, restaurants, uh, local farmers markets, and um, that that uh, getting rid of your excess uh, uh, crop is is really not not that difficult. Yes, I've never thought of it because you know, like I, I, on my balcony is quite sunny, and I mm. often have a lot of basil. Mm. And basil is one of those things. The more you cut it, the more basil leaves mm. it will grow. And I think lots of local restaurants might look for i've never thought of actually selling my produce mm, mm. well uh, that's and that's that's one of the topics that i'd like to to cover in a in a future podcast is how sustainable is urban farming you know? and I, I guess it depends a lot on your your point of departure um but definitely that uh 
it is going to have an effect in terms of meeting wonderful people. Uh, yes. That that's 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 definitely part of it. Y- you know, you are a professional uh, urban farmer. You you pro- you produce and you make a little bit of a profit. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> um, me, you know, I, I'm not so professional, and I think even if you just take your peels and your you know the what's left over from the vegetables that you've cooked and you put that in the soil. Mm. A garden will start growing. A garden will start growing. No, that's amazing. Rico, and, and maybe let's get back to what is the best crop to to start with. I mean, it is important to understand that there's certain things like uh, like basil, which is more a summer plant. Yes. Uh, something like baby spinach, which is more winter plant, for example. Um, I think the best crop is what you think you will use in your kitchen. You know, um, and... and and if you're not such a professional farmer, then let's say you use a lot of tomatoes. Mm. I think a lot of people use tomatoes. Mm. Then tomatoes mm. or celery or, you know, also something that's maybe that's fresh, you know, that when you cook, you know, you, that you you never have oregano mm. or you never have what, you know, or mm. the shops run out. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I think uh, that... My journey started with the ambition of making my own Greek salad. You know, just yes. uh, haven't got down around to the cheese yet. But <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I, I know that you that you'll get there. I just think you know, in the olden days, if I thought, if I remember what my grandparents, what their backyard looked like, they had lots of fruit trees in the backyard. That's nearly something was bearing fruit at one stage of the year. Mm. Um, they never bought lemons. We, you know, I spend a fortune on buying lemons. Yeah. Herbs. Everybody grew their herbs at their back door, at the back of the kitchen, where yeah. they needed it. And I think maybe the first step is maybe to go back to that and to say, what is it that I need? Do I need parsley in the kitchen? Do I need basil? Do I need chives? Mm. Well, and I think there's, there's, there's maybe, you know, something to consider in terms of... of uh, some things actually dry quite nicely yes. um, if you want to preserve. Um, uh, yeah, d- don't disregard your your pickle recipes perhaps even. But um, still, I think there's a lot of movement currently around, um, well, you know, how can the, 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 the community benefit from this? And how can we seriously... Um, like you said, leave a leave a smaller footprint uh, in the process. And how do we focus on? All right, so as we now sort of covered, uh, why do you want to do it? Um, uh, how do you start? Or how do you get rid of your your excess? Uh, what, what I'm trying to to to, to understand is, uh, in in terms of your experience, closing the loop. So now now it's regenerative it's it's continuous and and there's 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 a lot of talking uh, points around that but but more specifically uh, in how do you get your patients for example uh, to also get that added value and exercise etc around and and awareness around it well my older I, for older clients 
to garden is a, is a very good way to exercise. You know, it's you out in the sun, you get the vitamin D. The other thing that we have forgotten is that um, the the microorganisms that's in the soil is very good for our own immune system. So that forms part, that connection that that we think exists only in our head, that we feel that we need to have a connection with the soil or with the plants or with nature, mm. is actually when you start looking at the existence of the microbiome and our own internal microorganisms, it, it's, a, it's, you know, we actually need that from the soil. And that is why it's important that our soils is rich. So there's that as well. And, um, you know, believe that green leafy vegetables are one of the best things that you can eat. Um, it helps you, t it puts fiber in your diet, it detoxifies you, it um, keeps your digestive health well. If, and if your digestive health is good, mm. your, your health in general will be good. Yeah, excellent. Um, if you perhaps can can give a bit of advice around, um, and I know you've got a fairly extensive uh, uh, um, library <laughs> of of recipe books and and the likes, is there anything um, specific? Let's let's start with smoothies. I mean, you know, <laughs> like everything else, I think smoothies is has become controversial. You know, some yeah. people don't want a lot of carbohydrates in their diet, yeah. and and a lot of people are diabetic or pre-diabetic, so they they're very you know scared, you know, as to what you know how much sugar or things they have in their smoothies. So. Mm. I like to make a green juice okay. and um, I like to put in lemon, I like to put in all your green leafy vegetables, your kale, your spinach, I like to put in carrots, carrots are very rich in calcium and it's a good absorbable form of calcium and all your, uh, the other thing about, with your green leafy vegetables is a lot of magnesium and our soils are very much depleted from magnesium mm. and it's a very quick way, when you make a green juice it's a very quick way to absorb your nutrients. I like to put in fresh turmeric. That's one of my favorites at the moment with a little bit of pepper. It helps the absorption of the turmeric. Yeah. Um, what else? An apple, sometimes a little bit of an, a quarter of an apple just to take the bitterness away. Yeah. So your, your green leafy vegetables are often bitter, but something that tastes bitter is actually very, very good for your liver. So they yeah. say sweet on, sweet on the lips, bitter for the liver. Okay. Bitter on the lips, sweet for the liver. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll, I'll remember that. <laughs> all right, so for me as well, maybe, it, it's, it's, I was just astonished around... Um, the how nice it is when you know when when we we typically harvest on on Mondays and Thursdays, um, and then whatever is left, you, you do unfortunately can't always harvest exactly according you, you to should, orders. You should start a juice factory. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> but still, even even just uh, looking at it and and getting with my wife and other kids to to give comment all right what can we do about it and suddenly you know a new menu pops up and all right well what is good with rosemary all right well let's try this and that and and uh and it, it brings a fun element to the kitchen uh, you know as opposed to just you know hitting the button on the microwave i guess yes i i like a lot of raw so salad for me is my mm. favorite food nearly yeah, and yeah. i like raw vegetables and or lightly steamed vegetables i really like that mm. um 
But I think the most important thing is what eat what you like, you know. And yeah, I, um, yeah. uh, it's not always green leafy vegetables for everyone, you know. I think uh, find that connection, and I think w- when you are a little bit honest with yourself, your body will also start telling you what it is that that it's craving for. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I can just just say by my virtue of our own example. I mean, and, and we grow microgreens, and as you probably know, they the micro herb has got forty percent more nutritional value than than the the adult leaf. And um, I mean, I, I can just not imagine a plate of food without my microgreens on. Yes, so nowadays, even you, know. you can put a few microgreen leaves on top of your steak, and it yeah. will already be more nutritious. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and it's quite easy to grow at home. From not that I've done that, but I understand that it's quite easy to grow at home. Yes, yeah. Uh, well, it's just ba- basically the baby plant. It. it um, and do you grow it in a specific kind of soil, or? Yeah, we the the, the soil is is obviously important. Um, I must say, there's you know there's guys helping me with with the microgreens that that's much more in fuel with that i i tend to sort of focus a little bit more on the um well on the business side of of okay. the farm uh, nowadays um but like you say tried and tested soil types is is there for a reason um also with the microgreens we obviously use tunnels and 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 mist irrigation um so it it, it it's got a bit of a commercial <laughs> definitely, fuel definitely. Uh, i personally enjoy the the the, the organic um uh, ground stuff quite a lot yes but you know chris there's a place for for, for all everything. of us i don't think there's one thing that's got the own yes, only i think i think if every person has one or two vegetables in their backyard that supplements their kitchen and supplements their grocery bowl you know mm. that it will make a difference already well, absolutely. And yeah. I think you mentioned earlier on that an average le- lettuce travels, I don't know how long. I mean, and if you think of the plastic to package it and the pesticides that goes on the on the veg- on the lettuce, you know, it's crazy. No, it, it is a concern and, and it's something I think we, we really need to, to address as a collective. Um, but in the end... To me, it's 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 almost you know that when the penny drops, that look you know it's, it's great that I'm doing it for the neighbours and for the for the world and everything. But actually, if you think about it, just doing it for yourself is already good enough. Yes, yes, it and it's it's that lovely connection that you get with the soil. It's a really calming. I find living in the city to come home in the afternoon and to dig around and even if I pull out a few weeds and mm. and you know. We're so quick to pull out weeds, but what, some of your most nutritious plants are actually the weeds. Yeah. Now I think there's there's a lot of uh, uh, discovery to to be done around around that, and um, and and what I'm seeing is that there's actually some of the plants that were traditionally seen as weeds that's making it onto the high end of the culinary scene at the moment. Yes, that's and that is what's so exciting about all of this is, it, you know, something that you used to pull out and that you used to get rid of. Now mm. it's a, a fancy ingredient in a salad in a fancy restaurant. Yeah. Rika, I think to um, maybe to sort of start wrapping it up, if we say... Anybody can do it. 
any place is fine. Uh, it's really the will to make it work. It, it does require a bit of attention. It does require a bit of an attitude of delayed gratification. Um, it does require asking a lot of people uh, around advice. Um, what what sort of sources have you found is is the best um, in terms of of uh, uh, urban garden? Well, I think reading books on growing vegetables that helps and. If you look on social media, you will actually see that there's people who offer courses. I recently saw a course on growing vegetables in pots. Mm. And and I should go and attend it. I think I still have a lot to learn. And go to your local nursery and ask people who are passionate about growing plants. Um, or speak to a horticultural student. I'm sure that there's, you know, there's such a, we live in this era of knowledge. Mm. I think uh, YouTube is a great is a great source. Absolutely. And yeah. and when you start doing it, you're going to learn things about your own environment. You're going to learn things about your own climate and about your own soil. So start doing it. That's also a way to learn. Yeah. No, I think. Yeah. What do they say? See one, do one, teach one, and then you never can forget. Yes. And and I when Chris asked me about this thing i said to him chris i'm really just a failed urban farmer so i've learned lots of lessons already i've learned that the, the birds also really like my vegetables <laughs> and you know you it's okay nature is abundant so mm. if you fail start again yeah now i think that's the the nice thing is that you don't have to do it on such a massive s- scale that you know if if a crop fails or whatever that it's you know gonna financially ruin you and that's the benefit about a lot of people doing small things. Um, again, I think the, the 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 involvement of people and what I've just found in on this journey is um, people is you know actually so friendly and so abundant with their advice and um, that. That I really think that one of your goals in starting an an urban farm um, must be to also uh, enrich your your social environment. No, it definitely will. It definitely mm-hmm. will, and it's it's a, you will form deep connections with the people who talk to you about growing plants. Yeah, absolutely. Rika, this was fascinating as always speaking to you and. Um, I want to thank you for for taking some time out of your schedule and uh, and congratulate you on the on the good work you're doing with uh, improving people's health. Thank you, Chris. Okay. Thank you very much for listening. If you haven't done so already, please hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, uh, click the link on Facebook where you can review us and tell us what content you'd like. We aim to bring you the very best in content. Thank you very much. This is Chris Late signing out. Until next time, keep farming.